This episode of the CPA Reviewed Podcast is brought to you by my company, Ninja CPA Review, where you can get all Ninja materials under our new Ninja monthly plan for one low monthly price, which is cheaper than a cup of coffee per day. And Ninja Monthly works with any CPA review course, or it can be used standalone for standalone study. So if you like your course, you can keep it. If you hate your course, well, you can ditch it and go 100% Ninja. And the best part, there is no commitment. So this is not a financing plan. So Ninja is the only monthly plan that lets you walk away after one month, no questions asked, for any reason whatsoever. Every other monthly plan out there locks you into at least $1,500 to $3,000, and you can't walk away. So, But with Ninja, you can. And if you try it, and if you hate it, hey, shoot me an email. I will refund your money. And so there's literally no reason not to become a ninja right now. So right now, this very second, hit pause and go to another71.com forward slash ninja and then sign up and then hit play and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Now, after you sign up, shoot me an email, jeff at another71.com. That's jeff at another71.com and let me know that you listened to the podcast and became a ninja. And I promise I will reply. And while you are shooting me an email, tell me your story. I want to hear it. Okay, that's it. Hit pause. Go sign up to be a ninja. Shoot me an email. And I will see you in the dojo. The following is general advice only and should not be construed as accounting, legal, or any other professional advice. The details of your situation are fact-dependent and you are advised to seek the help of a competent professional. What's happening, everyone? Welcome back to another action-packed edition of the Another71.com CPA Exam Podcast. As always, I'm your humble host, Jeff Elliott, a licensed CPA in the state of Kansas, by the grace of God and to the chagrin of many, and the number is growing ever so slightly daily. What's happening? Welcome to episode 90. All right, on this show, you have some questions. Hopefully, I have a few answers. If you want to be on the show, go to Another71.com forward slash free, and that will do two things. Number one, that will give you free trial access to Ninja Monthly, and it will also open up the Dojo portal. You can submit your question to Ask Jeff, and your question will jump to the front of the line. And I always give priority response to all of my Dojo Ninjas, and there are quite a few of them in there. You can check out the free study groups, the private study groups, in addition to all of the the free trial, the Ninja book, Ninja audio, Ninja notes, all of the good stuff that's involved with that. Again, another71.com forward slash free. Let's get on to your questions. JP says, last week I received the results of my latest exam. I took auditing. I failed. This is the fourth time I took a section of the CPA exam and failed. I took FAR back in March of 2018 and July of 2018. I took auditing in May of 2018 and September of 2018. After receiving the grade, I went into a bit of a hole and had a pity party for about a week. That sounds familiar. After much soul searching and discussions with a handful of my closest family members and friends who gave me a wake up call, I'm ready to take on the CPA exam again with a new attitude. The question is which 
section should I, should I sit for in the next quarter? Some background on me, I'm 35 years old, Roger CPA Review is my primary course. I have unlimited and lifetime access, and I've been supplementing with Ninja. In all honesty, my studying has not been very good. I have come to the understanding after this last test result that this needs a change if I want to obtain my CPA license. I made a career change to accounting in 2013. I got my Master's of Accountancy in 2017, and I live in Florida. I work, for, work in tax for a big four firm. My initial goal was to take regulation in Q4, but I have abandoned that idea, so all the big tax deadlines inhibit the amount of studying that I have. Well, regulation would have been my recommendation, and here's why. The Obviously, the tax reform is going to change a lot of things in 2019. Now, you know, they didn't drop tax on its head, and it's not completely different, but it's different enough to where if you've been, if you haven't taken regulation yet, if you haven't studied it yet, it's not going to be a huge deal because you're just going to be learning it for the first time. If you're, if you're a veteran of regulation and you've taken it three times, I'd try to pass it in Q4, that way you don't have to kind of undo some of what you learned. Now, in your case, you say that you don't want to take regulation, you don't really indicate why. Um, your average CPA candidate, I would say, knock out regulation. And in, in Q4 2018, the second um, pressing section would be financial accounting and reporting, FAR. And that's because there are some serious changes coming with FAR particularly with leases. Now, I mean, CPA exam changes, content changes, they are a big deal initially, and then they kind of um, become less of, a, less of a big deal. Like, for instance, I think it's 2013, we had what was called the auditing extant standards, extant, extant, and... You had to you had to know like for like six months you had to know the extant standards and the clarified standards. You had to study both, and it's that seemed kind of bad. It's not it's not going to be nearly this bad this time with leases. You just have to learn the new way. You don't have to understand the old way. So all else being equal, I'll try to knock out regulation first in Q4 2018. Can't do that. I'll try to tackle far and get that out of the way. Angelo writes in, hey Jeff, I feel like we are friends since I hear you all the time. Quick question, full disclosure, I'm using Wiley in addition to Ninja for Reg. And I'm taking it at the, end of, at the end of November. I did it for auditing and it was a great combo, so I decided to keep it up. Regarding 179 deductions or section 179 deductions, Wiley says 520K deduction, $2,070,000 threshold for 2018. And the Ninja Audio says 510K deduction, $2,030,000 threshold for 2017. Which one do you think will apply to regulation at the end of November of 2018? I'd hate to screw up a question because I was using the wrong year for the maximum and minimum. By the way, Wiley asks if you want to update the content, and I've specifically chosen not to because I understand the up, their updates will be tested starting in January of 
2019. What are your thoughts? And thanks for making this process bearable. All right. Well, when tax reform came out, the AICPA said, hey, we're not going to test the tax reform until 2019. And so what really did that mean? That, mean, that, that meant that in 2018, the AICPA was going to be testing on 2017 tax law, like for the whole year. But then it gets into, okay, but what about inflation adjusted amounts? So I specifically reached out to the AICPA, I said, hey, what about this? And they said, no worries, CPA candidates will have all of the information that they need on the exam. So they don't, so you don't need to worry about inflation adjusted amounts or anything like that. So essentially, I would, I would roll with, with the ninja numbers. Obviously I'm biased, but I haven't had any complaints so far this year. Like, hey, you know, your numbers totally screwed me up. I believe the AICPA will give you all of the information that you need for section 179 and things like that. And that's typically the only, the only deduction and the threshold that I recommend that people memorize other than like maybe like um, a state, a state tax threshold, stuff like that. So if you're generally familiar with, with section 179 and know the basic numbers, I would roll with the ninja numbers and just know that the AICPA is, sounds like they're going to be giving you the information that you need. And then in 2019, then you can memorize the updated amounts. Steven writes in, and this, <laughs> this is probably going to come across as a little self-serving. So thank you for your patience and grace. Hi, Jeff. Thanks to your advice. I have just passed regulation with a 78 with only Ninja. This includes my CPA exam journey. I got all four passes using only Ninja, the MCQ, your notes, and the Ninja book is so well designed that I passed all four sections of the CPA exam within a short period of time. I wish to express my gratitude to Ninja and your team. I really enjoyed studying with Ninja a lot. Thank you so much. Congrats to you, Steve. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to send that in because I know that people, that some people pass using only Ninja and when they do, I love it when they email just to let me know. I mean, most people already have a CPA review course. And so when they fail or they want to switch, they use Ninja in, con in conjunction with maybe, you know, some videos or another test bank or something like that. They're, they're able to salvage different elements of their course that they want to keep using plus Ninja. But when people pass using only Ninja, I love it. It obviously helps for marketing, but um, it's, it's cool that... Um, people are able to pass using only Ninja and it's an affordable product. And so that's awesome. If you want to know how you can study and pass with only Ninja, or if you want to use Ninja as just part of a supplement, I did a big write up on how to do it. Go to another 71.com forward slash pass. And if you're watching this in a video, just click the link below the video and it'll take you to exactly how to do it. So the Ninja framework, the five steps, nail the concepts, intense notes, nonstop MCQ, just rewrite your notes and it all comes together. That is a Ninja framework. Again, another 71.com forward slash pass and uh, it will give you all the info that you need to know on how to do it.
Michael writes in, are there any tools related to the ethics exam section in the Ninja CPA Dojo? And I followed up with Michael to ask, do they mean, does he mean like professional responsibilities like in auditing and regulation or the ethics exam? And he means the ethics exam. So does Ninja CPA review help with the ethics exam for the CPA exam? No, and really no, no course does. And here's why. So a lot of most states defer to the AICPA for the ethics requirement. Those that I'm not sure if there are any states that don't have an ethics requirement. I know that Kansas does and a lot of them do. So they defer to the AICPA. So what that means is that you pass the exam and then you have to either take your state's ethics requirement or the AICPA's ethics requirement. And you get this, well, you can either do it through like a booklet or you can do it online. I highly recommend doing it online. You get this PDF and so you can, you can search around for your answers. I mean, it's open book. You search around for your answers, enter your answers, and then um, unless something's changed, you have like three, three tries to submit it. And you have to score a 90. And so I don't quite remember how many questions there were, but <laughs> it was enough to where I scored like an 80, like an 88 or something like that. And I had to go through question by question and figure out like which one I needed to change. And then I was able to tweak it, but we're talking like a four hour process. Okay. I mean, which, so it's easy in that it's open book and you can search. It's difficult in that it's a huge pain in the butt. <laughs> and, the, and so it's like auditing can be very subjective. Ethics can be a little bit subjective too. I mean, it's not like, like a tax law, like, like, hey, it's here is the situation and here are these principles and, and apply these principles to the situation. So it's a bit, it's a bit subjective. And so it's really just, just some work. So what I did was over a long break, it was like November, November of 2008, you know, it's a ways back, back when I had hair and no beard, no beard. Um, so I spent like, it was like Black Friday or something. I mean, no one was at the office and, um, this is before I was doing Ninja full time and I, I knocked it out over the course of like four hours. No one, I mean, just pick a day when, when there's nothing else going on, knock it out. Now, now here's the thing. If you just keep kicking the can on down the road, you, like there's never a fun time to do the ethics exam. So I recommend pass and get your butt in gear and knock it out so you can be done. And then, then the next hurdle is sending in the paperwork, which is a pain in the butt also. So anyway, there is no way to study for the ethics exam. It's open book. You just got to do it. Uh, if you want to spend some money on the, on the ethics exam, hire someone to literally kick you in the butt until you go in there and knock it out. So that would, that would be money well spent. Tanya says, hi, Jeff, I'm devastated. I'm rethinking this whole CPA thing. I feel dumb and incapable. I've been in so many hours of studying to find out I failed far with a 48 and auditing with a 63. The first time for auditing, I made a 56. 
I have until November 16th to retake both exams before I start working full-time. Please help me with a restudy strategy for studying full-time. For FAR, I did around 400 MCQ and around 1,200 for auditing. Which exam would you recommend retaking first? Okay, so let's back up for a minute. You did around 400 MCQ for FAR and you scored a 48. Um, I think there's a significant correlation there. I'm not saying you have to do 2,000 MCQ for an exam, but 400 is, isn't enough. And I mean, at least 1,000. I mean, there are a lot of topics for FAR. I mean, just not-for-profit accounting and governmental accounting, like you take those two sections alone and think about all of the different topics that they could test you on within just just within those two sections, there's there's 400 MCQ right there possibly. And so I think, I think the problem is it's not that you're, as you put it, dumb and incapable. It's not that at all. It's just that you didn't quite study the right way. So you scored a, you scored a 48 on FAR and hey, if you said, hey, I scored a 48 on FAR and I only did 400 MCQ, I'd say that probably sounds about right. You get it back up to a thousand, fifteen hundred, and I think you're going to be in the, you know, seventies, eighties, somewhere in there. And so for auditing, well, you did much better. You scored a sixty-three, and you did about twelve hundred questions for auditing. So for auditing, it's not a question of not do, not doing enough questions. So it's are we following the ninja framework? Are we nailing the concepts? Taking intense notes while we learn the concepts, doing nonstop multiple choice questions, and then taking intense notes over those nonstop multiple choice questions, then just rewriting your notes, and then it all comes together in your final review, and then your final review involves doing multiple choice questions, starting with your weakest area first and working backward, doing um, 20 MCQ, what I call mini testlets. And so for auditing, it's not a question of doing more questions, Maybe a few more, maybe 1,500. I mean, I'm just tossing out arbitrary numbers at this point. That's really how do you study. Now, you said that you start, wor- you start working full-time um, in mid-November. I want to caution you against putting an artificial, some artificial, I mean, stress is good in that it forces you to really focus, but I don't want to put this artificial deadline. I mean, hey, if you have to bump your auditing exam to December 8th or whatever, you know, because you can take it through the 10th, then, then that's okay. I mean, the extra two or three weeks might really be the difference between, you know, a 73 and a 70, 73 and a 75. And so make sure that you're following the ninja framework. Make sure that you're doing enough multiple choice questions. And while you continue to study full-time, make sure that you're focusing because it's really easy to take your foot off the gas when you're studying full-time. Because people who have to work and study, you have that pressure. You, have to, you really have to focus. It's kind of like, People who like work while they're in college, they tend to get better grades. I don't. I actually haven't looked at the data on that. So just anecdotally, it seems that they tend to get better grades because you have to focus. So uh, I'm going to class, I'm studying, I'm working. I don't have a lot of time to screw around and play PlayStation. And the same thing with working full-time or studying full-time. You can get up in the morning like, eh, there's always tomorrow. And and you end up, whatever, binge watching Netflix. So make sure that you really stay focused and maybe that 
mid-November artificial time window, uh, that, that time constraint is a good thing because it will put some pressure into you. So make sure that you're doing enough multiple choice questions and studying correctly, and then make sure you stay focused. And I think you'll be just fine, Tanya. Mitch writes in, hey, Jeff, I just joined Ninja. I'm on, on my last exam, which is regulation. In the past two times, I've come so close with scores of 72 and 74. I am ready to have this done with. My 18 months is about up, and I have my exam scheduled for later this month, giving me three weeks to finish. What is your best advice for how to approach this? The past two exams, I've been weaker on multiple choice, but stronger on simulations. With a limited time schedule and working full time, how do you recommend I utilize my time best? And what areas of the study feature do I focus on first? Appreciate your help. So Mitch joined Ninja Monthly three weeks out, two or three weeks out. And so I would, I would try to figure out where you are in the Ninja framework. If you've, if you've already nailed the concept, so you've already been through your book, Ninja book, or your videos or whatever, and you've taken hopefully some notes. If not, that's okay. Now, basically, I would jump into the nonstop multiple choice section and really hammer multiple choice questions. I would drill down by topic and take intense notes over over the multiple choice. And as well, especially since you are weaker on multiple choice than the simulations. Some people are strong proponents of practicing simulations. I have come around on that. I used to say not so much. Now I'm like 80, 20, 80, 80% multiple choice, 20% simulations. And that's probably what I would do in this case, but make sure that, so this is regulation. So I would, I would hammer your, your tax areas first. So corporate tax, individual tax, partnership tax, I would hammer those areas first by topic and take notes. And then I'll jump in, into your business law, agency law, etc. And then your final two weeks, you can rewrite the ninja notes. I highly recommend that you do that. I've yet to come across someone who said, Hey, I took your advice and rewrote the ninja notes and I hate you for it. Has, still hasn't happened after 10 years. People have said, Hey, I hate you for other things, but not, <laughs> but not for that. So, um, and then, then your, your final re review, it all comes together. It's the A in Ninja, and that's starting with your weakest topic first. So let's say it's corporate tax and working backwards until you're scoring in the 70s, 80s, uh, mid-70s, and I think you'll be just fine. Our Pete says, I appeared for the regulation exam in August and I scored a 71. I need more practice in DRS sims in terms of time and level of difficulty kindly suggest the topics that I should focus on. Well, while it might be true that you need to work a DRS or two just to be familiar with how to do it, I don't think it's the set. I don't think that is why you scored a 71. Um, I think a 71 indicates that you are fairly weak conceptually in a few areas. So when I was taking regulation, I knew that I was weak on property transactions, especially like county exchanges, just because, well, I didn't want to study them. <laughs> and so I kept scoring, actually, I scored a 74 back to back on regulation. Um, I didn't want to study it. And 
and that's why I kept failing. And I also didn't want to study AMT. And what and when I finally got my button gear and studied AMT and light count exchanges and with with or without a liability swap and all that, then I scored a lot higher on regulation. And so while you maybe need to go to the AICPA website and do their practice DRS sim or whatever, just to get familiar with it. Really, a simulation is an application of the concepts that you study in your conceptual material, so your videos or your books, and also in your multiple choice. And if you understand the concepts, if you understand the material conceptually enough for multiple choice, then you are also likely to understand them conceptually for a simulation. So if you understand that farmers use Makers 150, you know that for for um, for the for the multiple choice. Well, then if you get a sim over depreciation and you have to do various types of of depreciation, well, because you know that and the multiple choice questions, then you'll also be able to perform well on that particular simulation. Same thing with, with the DRS. If you know how to, to do a DRS sim, then, then I think you'll, you'll be just fine. I don't think that you score the 71 just because of a lack of knowledge about the DRS. All right, well, that does it for this episode of the another71.com CPA exam podcast. If you wanna be on the show, Go to another71.com and you can click in the upper nav, Ask Jeff, and your question will appear in a future edition of the podcast. If you want to jump to the front of the line, go to another71.com forward slash free. Not only will you get a free trial of all things Ninja, you also get access to the dojo, the dojo study groups, and and the um, dojo version of Ask Jeff, and your question will jump to the front of the line and it will appear on a future edition of the podcast and you'll get a priority response from me. All right. So have a good week, everyone. Be good. Take care. And I will talk to you soon.